Good morning. Uh, my voice hadn't really warmed up yet, but it's going to be all right. Um, Christ is risen, and um, that's why we uh, come this morning to celebrate, I would say, the most important day in human history that's ever happened, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about briefly this morning, but uh, as we begin, let's pray together. Lord, we gather this morning in the fear of you, in awe and wonder at your majesty, your glory, your splendor. We serve a risen Savior, and Lord, that makes you unique among any man who's ever lived, among any leader or founder of any religion that has ever come about. You, Lord Jesus, are alive. You are exalted. You are seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, soon to come to judge the living and the dead. And we have a sure and steadfast hope in you, that because you live, Lord, we also will live. We gather together this morning, early this morning, to join in with the wonder of, those, of that handful of women, Lord, who went to your grave, Lord, and found it empty. That is our hope this morning. So help us today, Lord, have a special spirit of worship, of awe, of wonder at what you have done for us. Begin now in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so, roughly 2,000 years ago, uh, on a Sunday morning, the first day of the week, not unlike today, Probably still dark, probably cool. <clears throat> Jerusalem is a pretty elevated place, so I'm sure it was very cool. The sun barely coming up. A handful of women arise early. They had prepared spices, uh, according to their tradition, to anoint the body of their uh, presumably dead Lord, Master, and Savior. They went out with those ointments and spices to anoint his body at the tomb where they saw him buried, uh, probably not even 48 hours before. And of course, they traveled fully expecting the tomb to be occupied when they arrived. They were in for quite a surprise, an eternity-changing surprise. They were met at the tomb by angels who asked them a, a penetrating question. The angels asked the ladies, why do you seek the living among the dead? They ran to tell all the others, but of course nobody believed them at first. 
If you think about it, Jesus' resurrection, in one sense, is his final and greatest miracle. His resurrection from the dead proved that Jesus was who he said he was, that he accomplished what he said he came to accomplish, and that he is the hope of the world. He came to bring forgiveness for sin and freedom from the consequence of sin, which is death. But, of course, that's not all the resurrection accomplished. The Bible speaks of other things that the resurrection accomplished, and, uh, and that's what I want to talk about briefly this morning. So hopefully each of you received a sheet. Uh, that way, make it a little bit easier for you to follow me this morning. I want to talk about four remarkable results of the resurrection. Four remarkable results of the resurrection. Number one, our rebirth comes through the resurrection. Our rebirth comes through the resurrection. 1 Peter 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The Bible says that we are sinners by nature and by choice. We have been born into the family of Adam by our first birth. That is, like our father Adam, we are sinners. We are rebels against God, and therefore we receive the penalty, the same penalty that Adam received. The Bible says, in the, God told Adam, in the day that you eat of the fruit which I commanded you not to eat, you will surely die. The wages of sin is Death, we bear God's curse for disobedience because we are like our father Adam. We were born into the family of Adam. But the Bible says that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, through, uh, through faith in Jesus Christ, we are reborn into another family, into the family of Christ. And Paul says just like we bore the image of the man of dust, Through Christ's resurrection from the dead, we shall also bear the image of the man from heaven. We will be, we are made like him. We have been reborn into a new family where the penalty for sin is no longer binding on us because the new family, the new head to whom we now belong, has conquered death by his resurrection from the dead. And through his victory, we enter into a new family with a new inheritance and a new destiny. Peter says we have been born born into a living hope. Jesus is alive. And he is our living hope. Number two, Christ's new life frees us from our old one. Christ's new life frees us from our old one. Romans 6, 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. The Bible says that through faith we are in Christ. We are united with him by faith. And therefore, in Christ we die, and in him we live. 
And Paul says that's what baptism means. When you, are, when you go underneath the water, you are saying that your old self has died. And when you are lifted up out of the water, you are proclaiming that your new self lives. That is, that we live, our old selves have died. We live spiritually now. And one day we will live both physically and spiritually with Christ forever. That is that our spirits in Christ have been made alive now, but we still bear our bodies of death. But one day in Christ, when he returns at the resurrection of the dead, our bodies will catch up with our spirits. And we will live forever with him. But what Paul is saying here is that our, our death, our spiritual death in Christ, frees us from enslavement to sin. Right now, today, we have new life in Christ. Freedom to do what we couldn't do before. Love and obey God. What does it mean? It means because Christ has risen from the dead, you have new spiritual life now. And that means you don't have to sin. You don't have to sin. There's never a moment in your life that you experience that you don't have the power, if you are in Christ, by the Spirit to overcome sin. Why? Because your old self is dead. And your new self lives. Christ's new life frees us from our old one. We don't have to be, we're no longer who we once were. Number three. Testifiers of the resurrection will face resistance. Testifiers of the resurrection will face resistance. Acts 23, 6. When Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. It is respect. It is with respect to the hope and, res- and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. Paul in 2 Timothy 3 said, Everyone who seeks to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. If you are a Christian, you have staked your entire life and your eternal destiny on the historical fact that the man Jesus of Nazareth physically, bodily rose from the dead. Some 2,000 years ago. That's what you're saying if you are a Christian. So in other words, the world is right. If Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, we are out of our minds. It's true. Some people kind of like to nicely say, well, even if Christianity is not true, it still makes me a better person. And so it's still a good thing. No, that's actually not what the Bible teaches. Paul says... If Christ did not rise from the dead, we as Christians are of all people most to be pitied. Why? Because Paul understood that the Christian life is one of self-denial. It's one of suffering. That is that the Christian life is one such that if you don't have the hope of life after death, it's not worth living. That's what Paul teaches. But Paul says... God chose, in 1 Corinthians 1, he says, God chose precisely what is foolishness to the world to save 
people so that nobody could boast before him. If Jesus Christ has risen from the has not risen from the dead, Christianity is foolishness. If Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, it's the most beautiful thing there is. Because we live as a people who don't have to clamor and clamor and try to strive to get and get and get and live and live and live for this age because we believe in an eternal age to come. So we live differently in the world. Because we have a hope that just as Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, we too will be raised with him. That brings us to our last point. Christ's eternal life guarantees our eternal life. Christ's eternal life guarantees our eternal life. John 14, 19. Because I live, you also will live. Jesus, in the Hebrews, says that he lives forever to intercede for us on the basis of his indestructible life. Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus rose again, never to die again. The Bible says that Jesus is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. What does that mean? It means there's more fruit to come. It means that Jesus rose first in order to guarantee and give a certain hope to those who believe in him that one day, just as he lives, we also will live. The Bible says that there will be a day when God rends the heavens and comes down. When the sky will roll back like a scroll, the archangel will shout, the last trumpet will blast, and Jesus Christ will descend on the clouds of heaven. And the Bible says every eye will see him. And we will be raised to be with him. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. And this makes Christianity unique of all religions. Muhammad is dead. Buddha is dead. Many famous atheists who said that uh, in their lifetimes, Christianity would be dead. They're all dead, but Jesus is alive. Christianity still stands. And the Bible says, because he lives, we also will live. That's the Christian hope. That's what we proclaim. That's what the church for 2,000 years has believed. That's what happened on that day 2,000 years ago when they found the empty tomb. And they didn't even get it. They didn't even understand at first. But don't you see it changed the world? 2,000 years later, 6,000 miles away, we proclaim that Jesus Christ is alive. And that has changed everything. Let's pray together. Lord, you are alive. And that changes everything. We have a life, a future, a hope beyond the grave. 
Therefore, we do not fear what this life brings us. We do not fear what we must endure for Christ's sake. For because you live, we also will live. That's why we gather today, Lord. And I pray, just as in this place and all over the world, Lord, today, as people gather in your name, and the risen Lord is proclaimed in this very day among uh, just about every nation, tribe, and tongue, I pray that with one voice and with one heart we would look to you, the risen Lord, seated at the right hand of God. And we say, as the final verses in the Bible and the book of Revelation say, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus.